This is Contractor Sense with Ruth King. Welcome to Contractor Sense. Here you discover ideas, tactics, news, and information that matters to your contracting business and you. I'm your host, Ruth King. This episode is sponsored by Profitability Movement. Google Profitability-Movement to join this community of business owners focused on building profit, increasing wealth, and giving back. Thank you for joining us. Here's how we will help your business and you today. Thinking about selling your business in 2022 or even in a few years, there are some critical things you have to do to get the maximum value out of your business, whether you're selling the business to family, employees, or an outsider. My guest today, Ashish Ashkalar, is founder and CEO of Near You, a rapidly growing national HVAC firm that grows through acquisition as well as organic growth. In, full, in terms of full disclosure, I'm an advisor to Near You. I have no say in the day-to-day management of the company. I just lend an ear when asked. Ashish, welcome to Contractor Sam. Thank you, Ruth. Always excited to be uh, at your podcast. And uh, Merry Christmas to you and everyone that's listening. Thank you very much to you, too. Okay. Even though this is going to air in January, Merry Christmas and hope you all had a great one. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) I forgot that. So anyway, um, let's talk a little bit about near you from your perspective. Not a whole lot, but, you know, how do you, you know, what do you look for in companies that you either, you know, we're going to grow organically or that you are, you know, that near you is going to acquire? Now, that's a great question, Ruth. And. I would start by saying that we are really selective and sort of peel the onion a little bit more uh, from that statement. The reason why we are selective is because we don't want to just participate in the frenzy of buying companies for the sake of buying companies. These companies are made up of people, talented people, and we are really inheriting the responsibility to take their futures forward. And so the the foremost criteria that we look at is the talent, the human capital that is present in these companies, the men and women that make these companies great businesses in the first place. Uh, As you start exploring more, if they have great people, they end up having great customer reviews. So we focus on what customers are saying about the company. Uh, If they have great customer reviews, that will translate into great financial performance. And we look at how clean the books are. We look at what the historical trends are. And we we do think about sort of from a succession planning perspective, if the entrepreneur, the seller of the business, has thought through succession planning and has created a bench of management team that is going to run the business going forward after they exit. So as people think about selling their businesses, they really, really want to make sure that they have groomed good talent in their business. They have maintained clean financial records and, and books. And they want, they want to make sure that they have served customers in a, in a way that is going to be exemplary as potential investors, partners look at their businesses. Well, you make, when you talked about clean books, I started laughing to myself. I mean, how many contractors <laughs> have really, 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 really clean books that you've seen? In reality. <laughs> You know, and I think it, people that seek help Ruth, uh, tend to have cleaner books than people that do not seek help. And, and that's really important that if you want to sell your business today, you should have started seeking help about a year or two years ahead of time because it does take time 
to get the books cleaned up. Uh, oftentimes, we have seen contractors run their business, uh, not necessarily like an asset, uh, but more like a job. There is a lot of personal expenses running through the business. And to maximize the value of their business, they need to make sure the business can be looked upon as an asset independent of personal expenses, one-time uh, expenses that they're running through the business. So uh, while, while there is not a lot of contractors uh, that are aware of this, I think hopefully listening to this podcast will make them aware of it. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, you know, I jokingly say that um, every private equity firm has my contractor customer list, my client list, because they're all getting <laughs> approached these days. But, you know, their books are pretty clean because I wouldn't be working with them. If we get their books clean for sure. I, I will say this uh, just, just in 30 seconds, but there is a frenzy right now, like I mentioned, uh, for, for investors you know, private invest, uh, financial investors to buy companies where we have emphasized near use differentiation is to not just look at this as a financial transaction, but we look at this as a, uh, as a responsibility to inherit the legacy of these companies. So at near you, we, we do look beyond some of the, uh, uncleanliness, if you will, uh, noise in the numbers and the financials. But that's not every every investor, every buyer. So uh, if they want to maximize their chances, they certainly need to have clean books. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's assume that somebody has raised their hand and they've said, okay, I'm interested in, you know, either selling my business to insiders or selling it to somebody outside the company because nobody internally, my kids don't want it. My employees don't want it. So I have to do something, but also take care of all the customers that we've had over these years. So they raise their hand and, and, and let's say that near you, you know, answers their call. Um, what happens next? And, and do it shortly because we'll continue this in the second part of the show. Absolutely. First and foremost, confidentiality. So we sign a non-disclosure agreement to give the contractor a peace of mind that the conversation and the exchange of information stays confidential. Second step is we give them a short list of questions we have about the business that includes things like, you know, profit and loss statement, balance sheet, et cetera, et cetera. And then we sign a letter of intent followed by detailed diligence on the company, a contract, uh, which is more binding than the letter of intent. And then we proceed to closing. So all of that typically happens between 45 days to 60 days timeframe. All right. So for all intents and purposes, you you for all you start okay. We're going to have honest discussions between us. You can be assured that we're not going to tell anybody about it, or vice versa. And then we get the information we need to make a really really good decision. So absolutely. Let's when we get back, let's get into more so than a letter of intent, but let's get into either an asset purchase agreement or a stock purchase agreement. Would that work? Absolutely, would love to. All right. So thanks for listening. Well, before I do that, um, Ashish, where can they, somebody get a hold of you if they have a question or want to talk to you about potentially selling? Happy to provide my contact. My email is ashish at nearyou-services.com. And my cell phone number is 215-341-7561. People can reach me at either, either of these uh, places. Terrific. All right, Ashish, we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. You can't. 
That's what my daughter Kate told me when I said I wanted to make financials fun. The gauntlet was laid down. The red blanket was waved in front of the bowl. Ronin the Rubber Duck was born. This ebook is a whimsical look at financials from a duck's perspective. To get this fun, easy to read Kindle book, go to Amazon and search for Ronan the Rubber Duck Dives into Financials. That's R-O-N-A-N, the Rubber Duck Dives into Financials. Let me know if I made financials fun for you. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. We are talking about what's going to happen if you choose to sell your business to an outsider or somebody who is not part of your organization right now. And before the break, Kashish and I started talking about just the overall process. And I want to get into past the letter of intent, um, what's known as either a stock purchase agreement or an asset purchase agreement. And Ashish, would you explain the difference? Sure, sure. In a stock purchase transaction, um, the buyer is buying the stock of the company that uh, the, the seller owns, right? And in an asset purchase agreement, the buyer is only buying defined assets of the business uh, that are owned by the, owned by the uh, current owner or the seller. The main difference is <clears throat> uh, twofold. First piece is a stock purchase agreement sort of tends to be more cumbersome than an asset purchase agreement because there has to be more diligence and more disclosure that a buyer would need because they are inheriting assets and liabilities both. So for example, if something bad had occurred in the company uh, or something bad happens in the future because of an action that happened in the company in the past, that becomes the liability of the buyer. So from that perspective, the preference of the buyer is to prefer a asset purchase agreement and not a stock purchase agreement. Uh, the second reason why, uh, why they are different is because there are some economic ramifications of doing a stock transaction versus an asset transaction. Uh, in a stock transaction, typically it is tax advantageous to the seller, uh, but, but, but the buyer uh, is uh, hit with more taxes down the line. And for an asset transaction, it is tax advantageous to the buyer and not the seller. So there are more nuances to it that we cannot cover on this call, but these are the two main reasons why they are different. Uh, in terms of sellers and as they think about selling their business, uh, it depends on the legal entity structure of their company. It depends on what stock basis they have in their company. So these are all details that they need to work with their CPA before they even present their company to a potential buyer so that they're fully aware of which uh, structure is best for them. At near you, we are capable of doing a stock transaction and an asset transaction both. Uh, we obviously prefer assets because it is cleaner, easier, uh, better to manage from the future perspective. Uh, but but we are capable of doing both uh, type of structures that near you. And aren't stock purchases generally with C corps and and assets with LLCs and like that, or is that just my thought process? No, no, you have a valid point there. You know. Uh, Legal entity structure does influence what transactions uh, people would like to uh, uh, like to choose. So, if you are a C corp uh, or an or an S corp, there is certain ramifications from a tax perspective versus if you are an LLC. Uh, typically, if you are an LLC, 
the buyer, even if they were to buy membership interest in the LLC, which is akin to doing a stock transaction, they are able to uh, step up the assets they bought and get the same tax treatment as, as if they had done an asset deal. So there is a lot of intricacies that are tied to the legal entity structure. That's why I said, you know, knowing what is feasible uh, from a structure and tax perspective beforehand with the CPA is, is very, very important. Yep. All right. So I want everybody to realize that if you sign a stock purchase agreement or an asset purchase agreement, it doesn't matter which one. It's legally binding, correct? It is legally binding. Yep. At, at that point, put in simple words, the seller has sold their company and the buyer has bought their company. And there is ramifications of reneging on that kind of contract <laughs> that you don't want to get into. <laughs> I'm laughing because, I mean, I've seen things, not necessarily with me or you, but I've seen transactions, you know, they're going, they're going, they're going until an hour before the deal's supposed to close and it all blows up. You know, yep. I've seen that. And that's where I would say, Ruth, you know, for the, for the audience <clears throat> uh, uh, who are looking to transition their business, that's why it's so important to evaluate cultural fit with a potential buyer upfront so that as you progress in the process, you don't get to the point where it blows up the last minute. That's not ideal for the seller. It's not ideal for the buyer. And it's not ideal for employees that are in the know, right? They, they, it creates a state of chaos and confusion that is harmful to the business going forward. Absolutely. And the other, I would, you know, I would also say, whether you're selling your business to an outsider or you're, you're selling it to friends, family, employees, have something to do when the money changes hands and you don't have an office anymore. I have seen so okay. many owners who just are like, they don't know what to do with themselves because the business has been their whole life. And I've seen others who transition and say, okay, good, I can do X, Y, Z, A, B, and C. And that's what they're planning to do. So, you know, what have you seen? You near you has um, acquired many companies now. What have ha what just happened to the owners? Have they stayed? Have they been upset? Have they been? Oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? Or you know, what what <laughs> what have you seen? Look, I mean, you know, uh, the, selling the business is a very emotional process, and we acknowledge that at near you. And what you mentioned is sort of part of that, right? That. Uh, almost like a, a midlife crisis type feeling uh, in terms of what to do next once we sell the business. And from our perspective, we need to be empathetic about it. About 70% of our sellers have exited the business and 30% have stayed on. Um, the ones that exited the business, uh, they have found a hobby, they have you know, tr started traveling and uh, they, some of them want to contribute to the industry to, uh, through training. Uh, we are leveraging our uh, founders as part of our extended family, uh, we have a founders council that um, is, you know, there to advise us, guide us on a part-time basis. It's not a full-time job, but they can be involved in helping us grow their legacy further through being part of that. So it's different things for everyone, but it's a great point that everyone should consider if they're looking for a succession plan. Yeah, just I mean, the last thing you want to do is the the deal to close. You've got X number of dollars in the bank. And you're in a position where you don't have an office anymore. And what are you going to do the next day? That's really a question <laughs> that everybody has to ask. <laughs> or answer, I should exactly. say. Yeah. Yes. So, all right. Final thoughts about 
transitions? The first and foremost, uh, I think, is uh, defining the fundamental principles of a transition. And the buyer and the seller both have to align that this is an anxious moment for not just the sellers, but also their employees. So taking the philosophy that slow is safe and safe is fast in the journey uh, is very, very important. Uh, being empathetic to the fact that employees are anxious, uh, taking that into account as we think through simple steps like onboarding employees and making sure they are assured about their job security in the future. But also, the buyer should be responsible to not go in there and uh, make start making changes on day one that will scare the employees. Uh, so that empathetic approach to transition is is very important. We take that very seriously at near you, as a result of which we have seen great retention rates at all our branches, and people are happy, happier that they have a brighter future with us. So that becomes really, really important. And I encourage all my fellow uh, entrepreneurs that are uh, trying to consolidate in the industry uh, or sellers to consider that as they think through transitions. Terrific. All right, Ashish, give us your phone number and website address one last time, please. Sure. My email address is spelled as A-S-H-I-S-H at nearyou-services.com. And my phone number is 215-341-7561. I welcome emails and phone calls from you, even if it doesn't have to be in the context of Selling your business to near you, if I can be a thought partner, a sounding board, a friend, as you think through some of these issues, uh, I would like to contribute towards that uh, as, a, as a service to the industry. Terrific. Ashish, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Ruth. And thank you for joining us. Choose one thing that you discovered and implement it in your business. These ideas, tactics, and strategies help you make more money, have more free time, and give back. If you like today's program, spread the word. Please review this podcast on any device you're listening to it on. Help a fellow contractor make more money too. For comments or questions, call me at 770-729-0258 or email King at hvacchannel.tv. Thanks for listening. Have a great and profitable day.